Welcome to A Space to Speak Your Mind, a radio program and a podcast about mental health and well-being made by people with lived experience in association with Cornwall Mind. We do occasionally cover subjects that some listeners may find distressing. For more information, help and support, please visit cornwallmind.org. A Space to Speak Your Mind with Cornwall Mind for better mental health. Welcome to the January show of A Space to Speak Your Mind. I'm Theo. And I'm Bryony. How are you feeling about the new year, Bryony? Slightly optimistic because, you know, it's thinking about what you're going to do for this whole new year. But yeah, in the middle I say, how about you, Theo? Yeah, I'm feeling quite refreshed. I'm looking forward to whatever this new year holds. It's a good time to kind of take stock, reflect and look back at the past year and set intentions that kind of thing can be useful good point like reflecting on back the previous year of what we've done because like i don't think people think about what you did last year yeah counting your successes you know Mm. and maybe going over those journals can be a nice thing you know that kind of thing starting a brand new leaf yeah or sometimes starting a brand new job who knows so on this month's program we will be covering internet partner violence abuse is not love with sarah davidge menopause with lisa and how that affects her daily life and we'll be introducing chelsea from cornwall mind and learning about her job and cornwall mind organization a space to speak your mind with cornwall mind we are here with Chelsea from Cornwall Mind, who is a high-intensity user caseworker. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Hi. So, would you like to tell us what inspired you towards working in mental health and with Cornwall Mind? Yeah, so, it's kind of a long story. It started in school and college. I was never a very academic person at all. I kind of took up psychology as an A-level just because I've heard it's quite cool. And I really enjoyed it. I went home, I was talking to my family about it all the time, probably boring them. And it was a really good subject. And then in my second year of college, I unfortunately lost one of my friends to suicide. And that kind of gave me that real drive to, okay, this is a subject I love, but also I really want to do my part in stopping this from happening, no matter how big or small that is. So yeah, that led eventually to going to university, studying psychology, and I did a master's in clinical psychology before taking up this role at Cornwall Mind. So what does high intensity stand for in your name? Yeah, so it kind of means two different things. On paper, high intensity user describes the population of people that I work with. So I work with frequent callers or users of emergency departments. So that includes 999 and 111. So on paper, that means that they are high intensity users of the service, but it also, we like to flip it. We bring high intensity to our approach to working with clients. So it kind of works both ways for both the clients and us as a team. So I'm wondering, Chelsea, how do you feel about resources available in Cornwall for mental health? So if you asked me this a year ago, I probably would have said, They're not the best. I know the NHS services are really stretched and that can be difficult and there's definitely barriers to engaging with systems. However, I have recently been kind of going around to Cornwall Mind groups and just seeing what's out there in the um, social circles. So there's lots of amazing groups. I've been to a Cornwall Mind one earlier this week at the Falmouth Allotment, which was a great group and it just felt very supportive and welcoming. 
But there's lots of other things out there. I've got to do amazing things like crochet groups with clients and knitting groups and kind of like knit and nutter groups. And yeah, there's definitely structured kind of groups that can really help people with their mental health that I just didn't realise was out there, which is great. So another question for you relating Mm -hmm. to that is the other like practical activities or can you do sort of on the lower key so you know like reading or that sort of activity group yeah definitely so there's kind of other groups that call my mind run there's a creative writing course i've not been on that one yet but it seems very interesting and there's also art groups and walking groups so that walking is quite active but lots of supportive spaces for people to go so what are your interests we just want to know a bit about you Yeah, so I like to call myself a bit of a granny, really. I love reading, I love crocheting. And as much as I don't do it enough, I do like going on walks, especially Mm -hmm. kind of this time of year where it's nice and cold and sunny. But as soon as it's wet, I'm not going out. (laughs) And what kind of things do you like to crochet? Oh, mainly clothes, to be honest. I love a little granny square cardigan. Yeah, I try little toys, I'm not very good at them, but getting there, still learning. They are quite hard, though, yeah. <laughs> unless you get help from like the older people that know how to do that crochet, then yeah. you're like, oh, I've got it. <laughs> I did work with a lady that is amazing at crochet, and I don't know if you know the roundabout in Truro. I think it's called Trafalgar Roundabout. There's mm-hmm. a always a crochet post box topper. Yes, there is. It's amazing, and my little claim to fame is I know the lady that makes them. <laughs> oh, well, shout out to her, because <laughs> they are lovely every time you see them, and it brighten up your day. So, Chelsea, what does a day look like in your job? So, my job is very varied, which is one of the reasons why I love it. My day-to-day usually will be meeting two or three clients a day, and doing whatever they would like to do so usually it will be kind of a conversation about what matters to the person and their sort of hopes and dreams and I am not a wizard but I do love a challenge and a problem solving activity so I usually go in there and see what I can work on with the person so that could be like applying for jobs and doing CVs and kind of practice interviews with them Or it could just be something simple as they would like to go out the house and walk more. So I will stand with that person, go along the journey with them, however that looks to the person. So it could be going out for feeding the ducks, something fun like that, or joining a dance class. And what I do is basically work with them for as long as needed. And we try and keep them really independent. We like to liberate and get people moving on their road to recovery For example, I would take someone to a group that they'd like to take part in and do that maybe for a couple of sessions, which is fun for me because I get to learn new skills as well. And then after a few sessions, I'll stop taking them and just see how they're getting on so that they're super independent and achieving what they'd like to do in their lives. And that is completely different for everyone. So a range of things which is exciting in my job I like to mix it up (laughs) so it depends upon the person and what they want for their needs yeah definitely and that can be kind of applying for benefits or active groups or learning things like that so with each individual do you go to them or can they come to you as well or does it work both ways yeah so I get my referrals from the NHS so my manager gets a list of top callers or Mm -hmm. top ED admittances Mm -hmm. and we contact those people just say kind of hi Mm -hmm. this is my job I can help you just achieve what you'd like and help better your life in any way I can sometimes those people 
I'm not helpful and that's mm. completely fine. So it's usually just starts with a chat. What do you want in life? How mm. can I help you get there? Can I help you get there? And then it's all fun from there. Lovely. Thank you. And can I ask for anybody who might be interested in getting into that line of work? I know you studied psychology and for yeah, anyone maybe who's been through some mental health challenges themselves, what sort of route would you recommend taking as an easy role to get into? Yeah, so there's kind of different things at Cornwall Mind especially. So there's peer support workers who are people that have been through mental health treatments themselves that bring forward their own experience, which I think is really good because you are really showing you stand with a person and you understand maybe not directly what they've been through, but similar things. For me, I just been to university really enjoyed the subject and then when this came up I was like oh I love a challenge and it's a bit different it's different to what I did in my studies and just to get into it I think if you are someone who's sitting there and thinking I really care about people and I just want to make lives better I think that's the best starting point that you can have so get out there and get some experience whether that's voluntary or not and just give it a shot if you care about people you're the right person to do this sort of job. And you've got to be a bit more practical as well because like it is going out and joining people and socialising in those environments. Yeah, definitely. But I'm not the most social person Mm -hmm. and it's good to challenge yourself as well. So as much as I'm helping people, I'm also kind of challenging myself, which is great. And I love a job that just, you know, you keep learning, you keep pushing yourself. So it's a really great kind of company and area to work in. Lovely. Yeah, it's really inspiring and encouraging. So Chelsea, we're wondering what are your two key values, if you have any, that you feel integral to well-being? Yeah, so one of mine is definitely working person-centred. It's something I use completely in my job. It's going to someone and asking what matters to them instead of kind of what's the matter with them. And by doing this, you learn what that person wants in their life and what they would like to do. And, And my job really is working out, is that something we can do? Is that something I can support you in doing while also kind of working on their independence? So... I definitely think the way to kind of recover and just feel good and better someone's life is by really listening and understanding what's important to them. Mm. So that's definitely like my number one value. So I love to listen, love to find out about people. And number two, it kind of links to my last point. It's just doing what's important to you as well. So for the longest time, I thought crocheting was really lame and I learned about it in year seven when I was in craft club and would hide it. But it's really cool now. So I love seeing about it on TikTok and things like that. Just doing what makes you happy without fearing other people's judgment, because one day it might become really cool. Yep. And that's what's happened to crochet and TikTok. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, I love that Mm. approach and two really excellent values I hold close as well. So I appreciate that. If I could just ask you one more question, going back to what you said about one of your core values being about listening, what does a good listener look like to you? What does that mean for you? So this is something I learned through a bit of voluntary work. I was a volunteer listener and it's changed so much so the main thing I have learned is most people are only listening to respond so you're constantly thinking in your head okay what can I say back and 
how can I relate this to myself? Which a lot of times in conversation we go, oh, you know, I've been through the same thing, something really similar last year, which is a completely normal part of conversation and definitely a good thing in the right circumstances. But the main thing that I learned from training how to be a good listener is stop thinking about what you're going to say next and Mm. just be in that moment just listen silences is one of the most powerful things you can use because you are just holding that space for someone and by having that silence someone is able to reflect on their own thoughts as well so as much as a silence is uncomfortable to a lot of us it is a great tool to use for listening so yeah don't listen to respond hold that silence and just be a person person listening it does a lot that was lovely like that really kind of sums up listening to someone else mm. yeah. silence is so scary to me about two years ago but now i love it yeah great i don't really even want to respond to that but i <laughs> i just feel that that's a, a textbook answer to me but really feels like it comes from experience as mm. well so thanks for coming on the show thanks for having me it's a space to speak your mind and now it's time to find out about intimate partner violence with Sarah Davidge talking to Richard. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. It's a space to speak your mind and shockingly across their lifetime one in three women are subjected to physical or sexual violence by an intimate partner or sexual violence from a non-partner. It's three years since the launch of Yves Saint Laurent's Beauty's global programme Abuse Is Not Love which aims to help combat intimate partner violence. And this can take several forms, including physical, verbal, emotional, economic and sexual abuse. And women who are most risk with the highest rates are aged between 16 and 24. And not all abuse is visible either. This year's Abuse Is Not Love campaign is shining a light on educating everyone on the nine warning signs before they escalate. So to find out more, I'm joined by Sarah Davidge, who's the Women's Aid spokeswoman. Good to have you on the show, Sarah. So can you tell me about these signs that we should be looking out for? Absolutely. So intimate partner violence, domestic abuse is part of a pattern of controlling and coercive behavior. It can be threatening, degrading, it can be violent, it can include physical or sexual abuse, but not always. So it's really important to recognize the manipulation and the intimidation that abusers use to create that context of control. So as part of our Abuse Is Not Love partnership with YSL Beauty, we've did this nine early warning signs that you can watch out for to identify abuse. And they are ignoring you, blackmailing you, humiliating you, manipulation, jealousy, control, intrusion, isolation, intimidation. I think it's important to know that these nine warning signs might not happen in isolation. So jealousy, for example, can be used to control and to isolate. Blackmailing humiliation can be used to intimidate. So it's very much part of a pattern of behavior. But there are these warning signs to look out for. And it's really important that we're aware that those are not acceptable in a healthy relationship. And why do you think things like jealousy and control and these other invisible signs are seen by some as love and care? I mean, how can that be? So with the research that YSL Beauty have done showed that over half of young people had experienced jealousy in a relationship. That in itself wasn't surprising. The really shocking thing was that a fifth, 22%, thought that it was a sign of love. And I think if you look at representations of relationships in the media, in literature, particularly directed towards young women, it's represented as something that's protective, that's even romantic. And it's really important that 
through work like the Respect Toolkit that Women's Aid and YSL Beauty are taking into schools around the country, that we are educating young people on what is a healthy relationship and crucially what isn't. And we talk on this show about mental health as well. And there is such a link, isn't there? Because obviously this is affecting everything for that person and can affect everything in their lives. So how important is that as an aspect that we have to bear in mind? It's incredibly important to think about the impact of domestic abuse on somebody's mental health. And that's whether that is something they're experiencing in their own relationship or as a child survivor living with domestic abuse in their home within their parents' relationship. Domestic abuse has a, a long-lasting impact and the impact on children can you know, also be long-lasting and last into adulthood and create trauma that we have to deal with. So it's really important that mental health support is available to survivors of domestic abuse. Mm. And you mentioned there about for young people, you know, educating younger people in schools. How do you go about that and what are the best ways of doing that? So the Expect Respect Toolkit that we've developed as part of the Abuse is Not Love partnership between Women's Aid and YSL Beauty goes into schools and it includes lesson plans right from the reception class right up till 18. And we're looking at things like how to control emotions, express emotions properly. We start off looking at things like gender roles in toys, and then it, it progresses gradually throughout the system into those more specific conversations. And it is really important that we equip young people with the tools to have those conversations, whether it's to think about their own relationships or to be able to call out friends when they see friends maybe displaying some of those behaviours or to support friends who they see experiencing them and to create a culture of recognising those behaviours in relationships. And that is very important that we're all part of the solution, men included, when they see these things happening as well and not being silent and not being accepting of these things. So how do we go about doing that as well? How do we make the cultural change? You're completely right, Richard, that um, dealing with domestic abuse is everybody's problem and everybody's responsibility. And we can all play a part across the community. So whether you know that's police responses, specialist services, providing support, or all of us just calling out problematic behaviour when we see it. So if we see somebody changing their behaviour in a relationship, becoming more controlling, becoming more isolating, can we question that? And we can say that, hey, you know, you're doing something that's not right there, that's not healthy. And it's really important, as you say, for men to take a part in that and to have conversations with their friends about what is normal and what is healthy in a relationship. So if people are noticing these signs, what is the best first step to do? And it's not just, as you would expect, to speak to the friend, but also, as we're just touching on there, speaking to the abuser as well. So, I mean, what are the first steps? What's the initial thing that we should be doing? In terms of having a conversation, I think every situation is different. So I think it's really important in having conversations about domestic abuse, particularly if you're concerned that somebody is experiencing it or perpetrating it, to think about safety as well and to reach out for support, first of all, if you're at all concerned. But I think we can all have conversations about and model good behaviour as well is really important. But we can call out those small behaviours that we see there in the nine pillars around isolation, intimidation. If somebody is increasingly changing their behaviour to keep their partner happy, speak to them. And when you speak to somebody, it's really important that you are patient, that you listen, you validate, you believe, but you don't push and you don't judge. Somebody may not be ready to leave or to accept that, but make sure that they know that you are there when they need you. 
and look after yourself because it's difficult. Domestic abuse is hard on friends and family as well. So do reach out for support yourself if that's what you need to do. And having the information to hand as well, I think is so important. So having the resources there and there is more information online, isn't there, that people can access? Definitely. If you want to find out anything else about the Abuse Is Not Love partnership with YSL Beauty and Women's Aid, about the research we've talked about or where to go for help, including links to Women's Aid support services, you can go to yslbeauty.co.uk slash our commitments slash abuse is not love. And we'll put a link on our website and on our podcast links as well so people can see that as well. For now, Sarah Davidge, who's a Women's Aid spokeswoman, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Richard. It's time now to hear about the menopause with Lisa. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. On today's show, we have Lisa Miners, so welcome back. Hello. Well, it is a new year, brand new year. Um, how are you feeling, Lisa, about this year? Any thoughts or plans? Happy New Year, by the way. <laughs> I'm feeling very um, optimistic and mainly about being kind to myself. That's the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's a, a wonderful, wonderful value to be entering the new year with. Absolutely, I think we could all do with being a bit kinder to ourselves mm-hmm. at any time. So you're a volunteer with Cornwall Mind. Yes, yes. Very, very proud. Very proud because during lockdown, I took part in the yoga and the online writing and it helped me so much with connecting with people and being able to express myself and move. And it was such a terrifying time, but meeting the community of people was just Mm. awesome and I felt that so strongly that if I had time and energy I would spend that giving back to mind so this is really important. Did you go for more the uh, creative subjects so like with creative writing did that just draw you into it because you thought oh it's something new or have you done it before? Yeah never done it before but I love writing I love the feel of pen on paper Mm. and just being able to express in a way that was safe and that only you could see and you could share what you created with people or you, you didn't have to but yeah music and writing is in my heart I just love it and and also language through writing and and even like poetry mm-hmm. song lyrics mm-hmm. and you can take so much comfort and strength and energy mm-hmm. it depends what mood you're in yes definitely depends Very what much. mood you're in do you like singing I love singing yeah so how long have you been doing it for then? well 28 years professionally wow okay yeah, yeah. I started as um as a blue coat for Butlins um Pontins oh, yeah. at Great Yarmouth yes and then a job came up working in the band and a lot of rehearsal a lot of learning really mm-hmm. you know you're grounding beginning songs waltzes and quick steps and all the way up to early 90s mm. wigwam bam ymca <laughs> <laughs> and then progressed on did a couple of cruise ships and Just yeah went up from there yeah and it was really hard learning mm-hmm. but it stood me in really good stead where i am now yeah you gained a lot of confidence in that time. I yeah, suppose. yeah. And you project confidence more than what you have in it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm finding now at 47, I am finally starting to get that inner confidence. And that's why being here is just so inspiring. And I'm so proud of myself for making that gentle step out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And like, you know, congratulations to you that because a lot of people out there probably still thinking I need to get out of that comfort zone I need to do something new and you've just heard it from Lisa you know she's done it herself yep yep don't ever regret this is what I've always said to people if you've got a chance to do something and you can do it and never regret because Mm. you've only got this life as we are now I feel just do what you can yeah that's a good sum up So in relation to you being a female, Mm -hmm. we know the menopause is a hard subject to talk about, but at the same time, people are aware of it. Yeah. Would you like to explain a little bit about it? Well, long story short, I am definitely in menopause. A couple of years ago during lockdown, I had a hysterectomy, which was the best thing for my health. And since then, all these hormones are just, and these feelings are coming over me and there's such a lot and I think I'm really passionate actually about menopause and helping to support women in their later life because at school we get taught about puberty Mm -hmm. and sometimes we get taught I mean in my days it was just very scientific and there was no support for emotional sides and there's nothing about as far as I know about menopause being taught in school it's sort of no I think like later on in life it kind of hits you and you go what is this and then you go well is there any groups out there or is there anybody that I can talk to about it like a professional and sometimes you can have it earlier on so you know vaguely but it's kind of in your mid 40s and onwards or it can be earlier yeah but you just don't expect it it's very sudden no education is so key and what has helped me is being a part of a group on facebook it's um helen tight pat taylor menopause muse and it's a support program for anything advice it's not doctor's advice or anything it's both very professional women in their Mm -hmm. own rights that have come from the healthcare fitness background and it can be camaraderie from other people social community yeah that are you know perimenopause coming into the menopause or coming out or within it's a safe space to talk so yes this is a journey that is going to be ongoing for a while Mm -hmm. but I am doing the best that I can for me which is trying to be more active yeah move more and sit less she says <laughs> eating better but also talking yes i think it helps to talk because you know you don't want to be sat there and then like all these feelings are like bubbling around it is nice to have that community and go you know what are you feeling this today and they go yeah, yeah. and you can talk about yeah, it yeah yeah that's it that's what really helps and then i think today we know a lot more about it and also men are becoming aware of it as well so they're kind of taking it on board and I think that's really helpful that everybody sort of knows about it it's not just women absolutely yeah Yeah. men boys again Mm. it comes back to education my poor husband bless him there's a part of this journey that I know it's a cliche word but it, it feels like a new journey 
that I'm actually finding my my own self. But my poor husband is sorry. <laughs> he wants to understand more about it because when he was growing up, it was the same with me. It was never talked about. Mm. So please don't struggle in silence. Go to your doctor, talk to a friend. Yeah. Because some of the feelings can be absolutely crisis point, mm. which is where mine got to. But now I'm starting to understand what's happening in my body. So talk, talk if you can, or write how you're feeling. Definitely. Yeah. And is there anything that you might add or anything else you might say to men who <laughs> may wish to support their women in their lives better or partners yeah it comes back to hang on in there hang on in there because these changes that are going on physiologically she can't even understand so you're not going to have a chance <laughs> but just try and keep talking and um try not to roll your eyes it's kind of like sharing you got to share with you've them got to. otherwise you don't know how someone is feeling yeah because you could just look at somebody but unless you ask them how you're feeling that day then you definitely know where they stand and where you stand especially if you are in a relationship or you know if you're married it's good to talk yeah it is and it's been really tough for me and my husband to talk so what I've done is on the fridge I've just put a, <laughs> a couple of post-it notes with a smiley face confused face or a angry face you know and I've put how am I feeling now and I'll just put a tick by the side of the fridge that's like okay not great don't talk to me give mm -hmm. me space mm -hmm. he knows then because there are some things I just can't say I know what I want to say but they just the words just won't come out mm -hmm. so it sounds a lot about connection and just staying connected to those that you love and connected to yourself yeah first and foremost yeah and I need to go sometimes I like to spend time out on my own just to try and really ground myself mm. where I am and it's remembering that that other person loves you and they want to help you but just remind them that I need some help and to bear with me if it's going to work for you because not all marriages do when a woman goes through menopause and some women go through it absolutely fine that's the thing I mean you hear about such dreadful stuff happening but you can get through it but you have to ask for help definitely can I ask you one more question yeah, Lisa about your values when it comes to mental health and recovery personally you know we talked about connection and for me when I have been through recovery and mental illness it's connection that I always felt was one of the main things that got me through whether it was with a nurse with a member of staff in hospital a support worker family friends is there one or two core values that you feel support you with your mental health daily I'm finding because I am in living through this time and I feel that what is helping me is expression so for me it's writing I'm randomly finding myself just writing affirmations I will get through this I can do this I can I am asking for help I'm getting the help I need and singing is the key 
literally. But I have to be mindful that I'm not singing songs that are like Titanic. <laughs> that even though it's a fantastic song, it's wonderful. But when I'm feeling very, very down, I need to lift myself up. So up comes Sandy Girl by Blondie. So I'll sing along to that. And connection with nature. Absolutely, yeah. So, so inspiring and beautiful to hear about. And thank mm. you so much for sharing with us. You're welcome. Uh, thank you both. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. That was a really informative conversation with Lisa. And, you know, talking about the menopause, You've got to have that mentality, first of all, to even come down here and talk about it. Because, I mean, women out there, every single day, you know what the menopause is, but it's nice to actually hear from somebody that can voice their opinion. Absolutely. Really great conversation. I think it was very interesting that Lisa talked about what she does with her husband, because, therefore, she's talking to him, and he's going, right, I know the signs, and even that they're on the fridge, I thought that was a really good one. Tips we can all learn from. A space to speak your mind. Finally, in this month's show, it's time to find out what's happening at Cornwall Mind in January. And we're joined by Joe. Oh, thank you, Theo. And Happy New Year to everybody. We've got lots happening. So we're really excited that we're going to be launching a community cafe in Campbell. It's starting on Tuesday, January the 17th, between 2 and 4pm. And it's at Vior Surgery in Campbell. And you do not have to be a registered patient. So it's for anybody, literally anybody. And as you may have heard before, our community cafes are a space where you can come along and get some support from our team. You can get information, advice, really anything mental health related. Even if you're just lonely, just come along, have a cup of tea with us, have a chat. So that's launching, as I said, January the 17th, and that's in Campbell. We've also got two new Five Ways to Wellbeing programmes launching. So we've got our first programme in Falmouth at the Tresina Centre, and that will be starting in February. And we've also got Five Ways to Wellbeing starting in Lou, also in February. Our Five Ways to Wellbeing programmes are a referral programme. So all you need to do is just get in touch with us. So you can email us at info at cornwallmind.org or give us a call. All the details are on our website. And then we put you in touch with the wellbeing coordinator and get you signed up to one of the programmes. It's really easy. So the Five Ways to Wellbeing is an eight-week programme based around the Five Ways to Wellbeing. So that's connect, keep learning, give, take notice and be active. Evidence suggests that if we do more of those five things, it will help improve our mental health and wellbeing. It's a really lovely programme. It's friendly, no pressure, plenty of time for chatting over a cup of tea as well. In February, it's Time to Talk Day. So Thursday, the 2nd of February, Time to Talk Day. And we will be hosting an event at St. Austell Food Bank. We'll be focusing on poverty. As we all know, times are really difficult right now. So we want to be able to offer a time and space where people can come along and have a chat get some advice. We're hoping to have Community Energy Plus there to give a bit of fuel poverty advice, Citizens Advice Bureau, all sorts of things. Just really good advice that can really help people at this time where we're all kind of struggling a little bit. But there'll be plenty of time to chat. We're throwing in refreshments and there'll be a soup lunch. So if you can get to the St. Austell area or you live in the St. Austell area, you are more than welcome to come along on our Time to Talk Day event. There'll be lots more details on our website and social media soon, so keep an eye out for all that. We appreciate that not everybody can get to one of our community cafes, so we do offer an online social cafe. It usually runs on a Monday. It's every week. You would need to be referred to it, but again, you can self-refer, so just get in touch. We make it as simple as possible. Just send us an email or call us, 
and we can sort that out for you. But it's just an online social cafe where you can have a chat, meet other people, all from the comfort of your own home. So for all the information and details about anything that I've talked about, any of our groups and cafes, head over to our website, callmoremind.org. Follow us on social media, we're on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. And if you want to send us an email for more information, it's info at cornwallmind.org. A space to speak your mind with Cornwall Mind. If you missed anything on today's show, you can download the podcast right now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and now Amazon Podcasts, and tune in. For more support and more information for better mental health, visit cornwallmind.org or call the Mind Helpline during office hours on 0300-123-3393. There is a new 24-7 local urgent mental health response phone line. It's free to access by anyone, any age on 0800 038 5300. And call the Samaritans anytime for free on 116 123. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can get in contact. Just email a space to speak your mind at gmail.com. Or you can also follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook.